right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Peron Santalia, who is a co-founder of The Waste. Peron, welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. You are a more, this is the type of company that I haven't seen super often, so I'm very excited to dive into what you're working on. And with that, let's just get into it. What is DeWaste? So DeWaste is a company and we're aiming to really reduce food waste uh, of all kind in all kind of dining institutions. So we're trying to really reduce food waste. Uh, it could be a restaurant, a catering company, a dining hall, really anything. And we want to, our goal is to have zero food waste. So what are right now what are some of the tactics that you're doing to reduce food waste like is it a product that you that you give them is it a methodology i guess how does it work so we have tackled food waste with a very uh 21st century approach we're using image recognition to figure out what food is getting wasted and then we report these findings back to the dining hall managers or restaurant managers such that they can figure out what dish is getting wasted the most and then using the data of what's getting wasted the most, so uh, then they can figure out, uh, like, why is that dish getting wasted the most? Either discontinue that dish and introduce something new, try out a different recipe. Um, so if we take the example of, like, a catering restaurant uh, or a catering company, and they're serving all sorts of food, but their rice is just getting wasted a lot, uh, then we give them that feedback, and they can try out a different uh, type of rice, like, uh, I don't know, try mixing in uh, other sauces or just discontinue rice and instead do a different dish like noodles in replacement. Um, so yeah, by getting feedback from users without actually getting users to fill out a survey, we're able to give accurate data uh, without any of the hassle. And who is your ideal user right now? You mentioned, uh, you know, is, is it, I mean, is it colleges and in, in food cafeterias? Is it could it be companies that have cafeterias? Like, I guess, who are you targeting right now? So right now, as students, uh, we find it very easy to target university dining halls, since university dining halls also do have quite a lot of waste, and students are always just in a rush, getting everything, eating what they can, and throw it away. Um, so that's a really easy market for us to get into right now. And we are at UC Berkeley, UC Riverside, and UC Davis, which is just about to start. Uh, and uh, down the line, we're also working on targeting, as you mentioned, companies with cafeterias. So companies like Google, Facebook, uh, Apple, really any company that has uh, a cafeteria. Uh, that's also on our radar. And then eventually to restaurants and catering companies, fast food places, those kind of things. I'm kind of curious what the process is like to get a school dining hall. So let's talk about UC Berkeley. Do you just kind of go up to... I guess, how do you get a dining hall to agree to this? Who, who do you talk to? What's your sales process like? So it's actually been quite easy for us, uh, shockingly, because uh, what we've done is, you know, you just Google the university and uh, their dining page. And then over there, they have the email of their head chef, their manager. We just grab that email uh, or the couple of them and send them an email talking about what we can do. And immediately we get a response rate of about 70 to 80% of, universities that are interested in trying out our product simply because there's really nothing else uh, or no other product in the market that targets the food leftovers 
Everything else is targeting food and the preparation process, which is waste, but that accounts for less than 25% of the waste, at least in university dining halls. So they're very excited to try us out, even if it means uh, doing a paid pilot. Got it. Uh, that makes sense. And how, like, I'm curious, what types of, uh, for, your for your team right now, I guess, what types of people are on your team, whether it's you and just a co-founder, like what types of skill sets are needed to, I guess, build something like this out? It sounds like slightly technical. Yeah, so it's me and two co-founders, um, and we're all uh, technical uh, people right now. So that makes it uh, real easy and uh, to pick up whatever new technology we want to build out. Uh, at the same time, we also do have two interns right now who are high school students um, who are helping us build out our web app. And we have a campus ambassador at UC Riverside who helps uh, if something goes wrong on site, uh, someone just on the floor in the case that our hardware fails uh, and in the case that we need to improve anything. So yeah, back to the point, to build this out, yeah, we do need a, a lot of technical skill. We don't really have anyone from a business side uh, right now, but um, just having people that are technical, it makes it easy to pick something up and just research it and build it out in a short amount of time. And I could be wrong here. Um, are you right now? Are you also a student at, at uh, UC Berkeley as well? Yeah, I'm a student. At UC cool. Berkeley. So something I've always been I've always been curious about is you know UC Berkeley. It's in it's in the Bay Area tech, you know, tech companies kind of rule that area. Is everyone trying to start a company right now? Like is your, your classmates? Um, I'm actually curious, like how many people of your peers are trying to start companies or like prepping for an interview with Google? I, I'd love to just get an idea on just like how much tech is truly permeated uh, the students of UC Berkeley. Cause I would never know I went to ASU. Uh, yeah, actually there's, there's a lot of people that are trying to start companies. In fact, I think there is uh, probably five to six different uh, student VC firms on campus. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, at least a dozen accelerators on campus. Um, we've been a part of uh, one of them, uh, which came right out of the CalHacks hackathon. Um, and like, I mean, just like people that are our neighbors, they're also trying to start a company. In fact, my Roommate from last year, he was trying to start uh, a couple companies. Um, my uh, neighbor, he is also trying to start a company. And the rest of them that aren't trying to start companies, yeah, they do have interviews at different tech firms. Uh, it's pretty safe to assume that uh, someone at Berkeley is either pursuing a major in uh, computer science or a minor in computer science, um, just because, yeah, that's kind of the area right now. Is there, um, I want to camp around this for a second, just because one, it's of major interest to me of someone that's like involved in technology, but does not live in a geographic, you know, in, in a place where people care that much about it. Um, so I'm just honestly just curious, is there, is there any problems just, you know, going to school in the Bay Area of there being almost startup, like everyone's starting something, which means everyone's trying to get users and recruiting users and stuff. Is there like, does it seem like there's enough potential users to go around or are the, are the same people talk to like by 20 different startups trying to like get them to use their, their, um, their software? Yeah, I think Berkeley, we 
it kind of has the image of being just a very competitive place, a real cutthroat environment, um, which like I heard that a lot before starting uh, at Berkeley. However, after coming here, like it's a way more collaborative environment than you think. And having like other founders around you has actually been quite a blessing because there's just so many people that you can talk to if something is going wrong uh, and you can just get feedback from them. And oftentimes, like, at least we haven't run into anyone who's like a competitor of us. We've just run into people who, are, who have been able to uh, help us and help us grow. And hopefully we've also been able to help them grow. And on, on that front, um, you obviously, you are not very far from the action in the, just anywhere, you know, in San Francisco or potentially a little da- farther down south. Um, do you oftentimes spend your spend your time going into the city and assimilating yourself into like that tech scene or does uh or, I mean, it's more than a tech scene it's like the whole ecosystem or is there enough of an ecosystem within uc berkeley yeah so i do find myself going to the city a fair bit um i was probably in the city of five six times or so over the course of last semester and i plan to be going more often this semester just because there seem to be uh, a fair bit of events that are held there, uh, dinners or meetups. Um, uh, so it's just been like a, a really, it's been great because it's just public transport. We can get to the city in half an hour uh, and meet with VCs or really any resource mentors uh, that are based there. Um, yeah, so it's been convenient. And last question on the uh, on kind of the school front, um, and then we'll then we'll move on. But do you find that like do you have resources available to you that you don't think are available to people once they graduate? Like, is there a certain competitive advantage of starting something while you're still uh, in uh, in university? Yeah, actually, most definitely. I think this is a question that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I think that there's a lot of benefits to being a student. Um, you really have a safety net around you that like, uh, I mean, you have like, you know, your food, your housing, all that kind of there. Um, and in the case that something failed, you're still pursuing your degree. Also, you have world ca- world-class professors around you. So in the case that, you know, you're having trouble with some technology, you can always just go to office hours and ask them. Um, companies like uh, Google and Amazon especially, they really want to help you. So you get a bunch of uh, free credits for AWS and Google Cloud um, and like a bunch of other companies that are trying to like market their products, like say IBM for IBM Watson or something. They're always on campus uh, just giving talks about like what they can do and offering help from like solutions architects uh, to help you get your startup off the ground. And I think that that's kind of resources that you only get while you're a student. and then. Once you graduate, or if you drop out, uh, it's tough to get a hold of such things. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it is similar at ASU too. I think the magnitude of help is maybe different, but it's similar. You get you get your as a student, you get your perks. Um, well, yeah. cool. So let's let's talk about de waste um, a little more. So what what would you say? Um, 
how do you think about spending your time on on the company? Obviously, you you know you still have some school to do, but like when you're like literally focused just on this specific company, how do you know what to work on? Uh, is it is it marketing? Is it is it sales? Is it product development? You know, what do you think? Yeah. So in the past, we've just kind of like went with whatever's been like necessary uh, and like whatever's kind of pressing at the time we've been focusing on that so for example uh when we were in the accelerator last semester um we spent we spent time like nearing demo day we spent a lot of time working on uh sales and like just kind of reaching out to university so that we'd have something to show for ourselves uh before like uh the vc demo day um and then when we started our pilot at uc riverside we were focused a lot on just putting out fires with uh, whatever went wrong. And we would be speaking to them about like what, um, what more features do they want and kind of adding those features. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been kind of like a focus on like what's been necessary. However, now that uh, our product is at a really stable stage um, and we have a lot more uh, help uh, on hand with the interns that have recently joined, we've been kind of chalking out a roadmap about what are the goals that we want to meet within the next few months, uh, semester, year, um, and like what kind of technologies we want to build out. But yeah, I guess going back to the point, we've just been focusing a lot on technical development and we hope to start focusing more on sales uh, within the next few months and trying to expand into uh, different markets such as like the, the corporate restaurant, uh, the corporate dining hall markets and restaurants and catering and that kind of thing. I'm curious when you do think about expanding and going into the sales side is have you decided who is there going to be someone that kind of like quote unquote owns sales and heads that up or is, are you all just going to work your own networks kind of how do you think about sales oh uh, right now it's just kind of been yeah everyone just owns their own network and we just kind of like decide which are the different companies that we want to reach out to. If someone has a connection there, then they take it. If not, then we just split it up just because, uh, yeah, we've just been kind of splitting the, the work up uh, evenly right now. Um, down the line, as we start getting more work and as each of us kind of settles into our own element, we'll probably have someone that focuses on sales, but at least at the moment, and I think it's the same case with the majority of startups, we've just been kind of splitting the work. And I'm, you know, you, and how do you think about just opportunities in general? Like you, you're someone, you know, you're, you're in your twenties or you're, or you're in your late, how, do you mind me asking, are you in your 20s or how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I, I just turned 19. Okay. So you're, so you're 19, um, which means you can see the future better than anyone else above the age of 19. The reason I say that is because all very interesting consumer trends and products start with the youth, like start at like age 12 and then it work, works their way up, right? Uh, what are you seeing right now that is just interesting to you that you and your peers are, are doing or apps that are, that are going around that maybe like even I haven't heard of yet? Like you know, what, what, what's going around? Uh, I think what's been really exciting to me is just machine learning and neural networks that have been picking up a lot of popularity. I think that 
this is really like what the future is going to be. And I was recently in a talk by, uh, I was being said by the founder of Rain Neuromorphics. And he was talking about how uh, we need to build chips that can mimic the human brain. And once we get to that point, I think it's really exciting that we have chips that can uh, analyze situations as well as the human brain. And then at that point, I mean, self-driving cars are just the tip of the iceberg of what computers could do. And as automation gets more and more like, yeah, there is a lot of risk about, you know, what does the future hold at that point when AI does become that smart. But um, I think that as someone who has a background in tech, I, I think that people have blown it really out of proportion. I think that there is purely positive aspects, at least right now, um, to AI, other than the fact of like jobs, uh, which is going to be something that is going to be an issue no matter what. And, um, but like, yeah, just from like a, a, is it possible perspective and are the robots going to, you know, rise up and whatever, but I don't think that that's going to be a thing. I think it's, it's just going to be like a lot of automation making lives easier and making lives definitely safer. So, so you're paying, obviously, just based on what you just said, like you're paying attention to what's going on with machine learning and AI development, et cetera. What do you think, you know, you got, you got a few companies, maybe more than a few, I don't know this very well, but like AGI, once we reach AGI and artificial general intelligence, you know, things get real, real, uh, apparently. How do you like? Do you think we are close to finding artificial general intelligence? And do you have an idea on like who's going to be the company to develop it, or is that is that the wrong way to think about that stuff? Um, I I wouldn't say that we're close because uh, the human brain is full of a lot of synapses, and to put that many, I get like if you were to convert it directly, to put that many layers into a chip, it's going to be it's going to be a long long road um now i don't know if there's going to be a breakthrough by you know nvidia or tesla or a rain neuromorphics for that matter but um i think it's definitely going to be a while it's going to be a few decades until we get to that point uh and also for one company that will develop it uh i don't i don't think there's going to be really one company that does it because each company is trying to uh, make a chip that fits their their need. So, for example, Tesla is making their custom chip that's trying to do self-driving. Um, you know, Google might be doing their custom chip that's doing something else. NVIDIA is doing uh, a chip that's used also for uh, machine learning and neural networks in a different area. So I don't think there's going to be one company that does it, or if there is going to be one company, I don't think that company is around today. And, uh, and as mentioned, I don't know probably as much about this stuff, you know, when compared to you, but I do know that you had a company like OpenAI, which, uh, which Sam Altman is running now, who their whole purpose is to make sure that once we do have AGI, it's in the hands of as many people as possible. So, it, you know, it's spread out and it's open, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I maybe, you know, my perception of who's developing the AGI is like it's either going to be them or DeepMind but I have like I have no idea you know like no one knows I have any idea I guess how, how 
do, do you have an do you have an idea on how we'll know when we are close? Like everyone's saying we're not close. How do we even know we're not close? And how will we know when we're close if you know how to think about that? Uh, I think this is something that probably uh, everyone has a different vision on. Um, my look, uh, my well, my kind of point of view on it comes a lot from just a pure hardware perspective. So when we can get enough layers of um, uh, of processing on a chip such that that matches the amount of synapses in the human brain. So I think the human brain has half a trillion or yeah, I think half a trillion uh, synapses. And right now chips have a matter of a few thousand, uh, if not maybe a million uh, layers of uh, layers of processing. So when that layer number hits the half a billion, I think that's when we've hit AGI because I think that that's like a very concrete definition. A matter of if when we get close, I think um, maybe this has maybe this will end up being something similar to uh, Moore's law, which is also kind of I guess fading out right now. But maybe there ends up being someone else that comes up with a law and like how how quickly are the number of layers for artificial intelligence? How quickly are those layers gonna uh, increase on chips and until uh, until someone starts predicting that I guess uh, it's kind of tough to say but at least in my eyes I think there's a long way to go. Are there any other frontier technologies that interest you like augmented reality you know smart whatever you know what, what else interests you out there? Um, augmented reality I think has a lot of potential uh, to be really helpful. Um, I think, yeah, augmented reality because uh, it can help in a lot of fields. Like, I mean, there's construction, there's firefighters, um, to like figure out where other firefighters are, which could be huge in safety. Even in just a consumer market, um, it probably not like as big of a difference, but I mean, it could still, you know, help with safety uh, in terms of like, people don't need to have their phones out while walking or something. But I think augmented reality has the potential to really change a lot of industries for the better. Um, and then with augmented reality, a lot of people tend to rope in virtual reality, which personally I don't see a huge future for. Um, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't, I don't see a huge use in that, but augmented reality, I, I think, uh, could definitely, could definitely like um, help a lot of help a lot of industries. All right. Well, I'm about to show you something that people listening can't see, but I uh, I will describe what's happening. Literally, a couple of days ago, I got this beauty. It's the greatest. Uh -oh. It is. It is. So the people listening have no idea what I'm talking about. I have like Oculus Quest on my face right now and literally this thing is the i think the oculus quest could be the thing like the price tag which is 400 bucks it is just as good as any as, as oculus rift in my opinion i feel like this thing could be what's necessary to get it past that level of friction where i don't have a pc i don't got two thousand bucks etc like this thing is incredible it's the great great coolest thing i've ever bought in my life uh, that's actually interesting. So I, uh, 
I have the Oculus Go, uh, which is kind of the predecessor, I guess, to the Oculus Quest. And I was also super excited for it. I think it's a really great product. It puts virtual reality in the hands of everyone. But it felt like a, a fad or like a, yeah, like just like a fad to me. Uh, it was fun. And I think it's great for gaming, but you start to feel woozy pretty quickly. And until there's something to help with that, uh, I don't know. But I'm excited if they're uh, as, as innovation goes and hopefully there's, there's something exciting uh, down the line. I've never been a gamer. Well, actually, let me, let me rephrase. I was a big time gamer in, you know, as when I, I was a kid, you know, like 10 years, like maybe seven years old to 14 years old. And then like 14 years old. Okay. Not, not a gamer <laughs> anymore. And then, but, but only as of the last month that I've gotten this thing, I, I now could consider myself a gamer again. Like there's this, like this game called beat saber, which is just like, have you heard of have you heard of Dance Dance Revolution? You know what that is. Yeah. So it's like just like Dance Dance Revolution, but with lightsabers. I can play that yeah. game for my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I played that on my friend's Oculus Quest. It's a lot of fun. I do, do you. What am I trying to say? Do Do any of your your friends or peers or or students? Um, just anyone that you know is everyone kind of feel the same way about vr that it's just like yeah or is there is there excitement around it you know yeah and and also ar like just some of these other technologies yeah i think a lot of my views also get influenced by my peers um in the point that like we do share a lot of a lot of opinions about this i think vr was one of those things that like when it came out, we were all very, very excited for it. Um, but just as it's evolved, as it's kind of just become something to go into consumer hands for just fun. I mean, I guess I, it's just kind of died. But AR, that's like the thing that's up and coming right now with, you know, leap motion and the hollow lens. Um, and hopefully this one, uh, hopefully AR is more exciting. Um, and hopefully there's uh better use cases than vr um but yeah i think a lot of us just share the same view and probably that's because we're from the same area um but yeah do you remember uh i don't know like a year ago snapchat announced i'm gonna screw up some of these details but it's like they ultimately with their spectacles you can see things only if you're wearing spectacles and it's like your own world um, and it's almost like a layer. It's like a snap layer, and uh, it and you can you can move things around and stuff. I don't know. I don't know all the details, but like it's pretty much makes it like it's an augmented reality world. And like Apple could build their own world, Facebook could build their own world. Do you have any insights on just on what AR once once AR gets there? Um, what are some of the possibilities? Like what are some of the crazy stuff that can be built on top of that technology? Well, I think AR, um, really, I mean, when I think AR, my, my first, uh, my first, uh, thing that comes into my mind is construction. I guess that's one of the very, very first use cases. Um, but like, I think that just knowing like with my, my grandfather being a civil engineer and other people in my family being architects, that's probably why it really comes to my mind first. But it's just, it's such a long process to build, you know, a building. Um, and 
if you can imagine something in real life as it's just standing there, that really like puts things into perspective and hopefully gets like approvals through quicker. Like uh, just to have buildings built, like for example, even at the university, it takes a long time uh, for all the approvals and all the design changes. But if you could just show someone your vision uh, without, you know, having to go through all the designs and all the catting and everything, but if you could just build something while looking at it, I think that's exciting. Um, I also, um, an idea that I was toying with was in firefighters because I had read an article where it's quite dangerous for firefighters while fighting fires. And I think that's probably something that came to my eyes as being in California. Um, but it's really dangerous in fighting fires because with the smoke, like you can't see the other firefighters that are there. And uh, if there were, if these firefighters were wearing AR goggles, then they could easily spot um, other people that are around them. It could just show up on their display and that helps save lives. And it could also help uh, plan like how to attack these fires. So I think that firefighter is also a huge field that um, I'm excited to see wh what comes, uh, what comes of it. Here you are talking about, you know, these crazy impressive things that could be built with AR and I'm just like Snapchat Snapchat maps <laughs> woo man I feel like we should I feel like our ages are switched <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny no I like that um I I think that makes a lot of sense so far what is what has been the some of the biggest things that you've learned about startups since you've gotten started uh with working on yours it could be anything it could be any type of lesson but what, what have you learned so far um, I think I've learned that hey, you need to really just be scrappy um, with whatever you're doing because money is very hard to come by um, and you've just got to find different out-of-the-box solutions to whatever you're doing. So for example, um, for us, like we were trying to just go down the traditional route of uh, installing cameras and we were doing um, like using the Raspberry Pi chips with a camera, like a full IoT kind of a solution, which we had to uh, find the chips and like do all the wiring. Um, and also uh, it was like a lot of just command line kind of stuff uh, that was not easy to build per se. Um, when it kind of hit us that we could just, get like a cheap Android phone for 30 bucks, which already had a camera, which is honestly better. Um, it has Wi-Fi built in, it has cellular capabilities, got a display, and we could just use that instead. And in the end that was cheaper and it worked way better. So I think finding out of the box solutions was something that really didn't hit me. I mean, like you would Google something, I just go down the traditional route normally, but uh, yeah, just kind of, thinking about custom solutions to whatever problem you're in. I think that's kind of like how my thinking has changed since starting the waste. And what does the path forward look like for you? You know, if you, if you get to look out, if, if, if the waste, you know, works and it becomes a big company um, and you know, you know, what will it look like in a decade? Uh, down the line, I, I envisioned seeing D waste in every, every dining institution managing all waste, not just food leftovers, but uh, food in production process, food in like farming. Um, also 
down the line cross, uh, possibly like uh, uh, just trash that's been thrown away, kind of reducing uh, that landfill waste, recycling waste, compost waste. Um, and yeah, I mean, I envision de-waste kind of just being the thing that uh, people like, you know, you and you know that like this dining institution is working to reduce their waste and hopefully at that point once like you know a restaurant say agrees to use de-waste within a very short period of time we can pinpoint where is the waste coming from and we can pinpoint how to reduce that waste so just making it very quick and easy um and hopefully like we also want to uh target um food shortages uh around the world because that's also just kind of that's kind of been like at the heart of why we came up with the idea because like uh me and one of the co-founders were both from india and like people uh just people around us couldn't even manage three square meals a day not actually not even three probably even not even two um and i think that's a huge issue and uh people in developed countries we just kind of take food for granted um and that's kind of like that's kind of the thinking that's been behind uh coming up with de-waste and kind of something that we want to keep in mind as we go forward got it that makes sense and uh, i think i i have uh, one more one more question for you in regards to de-waste and just kind of what you're working on um what would you say right now you need the most help with if, if people you know people in the people are listening to this and they they know this question is coming um and uh, i'm just kind of curious do you even ask for the forward-thinking founders community or something that even one listener can help you out with yeah if you know someone in the uh in any food industry like maybe restaurants dining halls food waste management like uh in the recycling industry or, or compost industry, uh, who's looking to help uh, manage waste? We're really looking for different uh, different industries to expand into, um, and, and we're trying to see where can we help uh, reduce the waste most. Because we're at the point where we can uh, use our core technology and use it to customize a solution to any need. So we're really just looking for places to expand to. So if you're anywhere uh, that needs reducing waste, please reach out. And if they, if someone wanted to reach out, where can they find you online? What's your URL? What's your email? How, how can they get in touch? Yeah, if you go to de-waste.com, de-waste.com, at the bottom, there's going to be a, a, a contact form. So please fill that out. And we're monitoring that every day uh, to see wherever we can help. All right. Well, I appreciate you you coming on uh, um, kind of jamming from your products all the way to different technologies that interest you. Um, you know, I think, I think de-waste is, is a great idea. I'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses and hopefully some people from our community can help. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.